welcome back to another episode of Zero Lift. Here with man of the people himself, Ryan, joined with Lenny. What's up, people? And John. Yo, yo, yo. Today we're going to be talking about uh, Gears Galore. John's going to make his way onto a soapbox and still be shorter than most of us. Lenny is going to seek out another debut in What I Wish I Was Driving. Uh, his hint he gave me is that this car shares a common part with a summon, semi-common sports car. If this is your first time listening, uh, pretty good show ahead of you. I hope you stick around. You can give us a like or a sub if you do enjoy the show. You can also follow us and find us on social media on zeroliftpodcast.eth on both Instagram and Twitter. We do post uh, notes on there, and if you want to give comments of, hey, I learned this, or can you explain this more, I'm sure John will gladly do the soapbox in any way. That's what we'll be talking about tonight. Let's talk about what we've done this week. Lenny, you had kind of a hot take out the gate about some noises. I'd like to hear some more, so why don't you take it away, Lenny? Yeah, I'd like to start this episode off with some controversy. I just want to say I despise most German cars that have come out of the factory in the last few years, and I will forever stand by my statement. The reason for that being is that just so happens where I live, there's some two pretty straight roads uh, in and around there, and, and the pavement's really smooth, if I do say so myself. Um, and so there's a lot of car enthusiasts you know, going through their gears at all types of day and night. Um, there seems to be a plethora of VWs and BMW 1 Series stock from the factory that all they do is pop, gargle, and like just sound obnoxious anytime the driver lets off the gas. And I just, I'm here, I'm not here for it. I just want to say that I don't like it. I think it's freaking stupid. I am actually. It- I have thoughts on this. One, I'm in the Bay Area right now, and I ran into a, a V8 Merc and a gargle poppy BMW of some series. And I was going to ask you, why is it making such that obnoxious noise? I, I have no idea. Is there like just, you know, we've talked about sort of things before, but it's just like obnoxious. It, is it because it's an asymmetrical pattern now on the pipes? That's Porsche. Nope. Uh, why is it, John? You're the guy. What's up? Why so- is it making that annoying noise? Here's what's happening. This is an example of, like so many things, like camber before it, um, a race car thing that streetcar people got a hold of and ruined. And the race car thing was high overlap, high duration camshafts, and aggressive fuel tunes, um, an open exhaust would occasionally, on like an upshift or maybe a really aggressive heel-toe downshift, cause a race car to belch a flame out the exhaust, right? Or, yeah, when the exhaust is piping hot and you've been running it all night, something of sounds, that nature. Yeah. That like, sounds cool. Yeah, like on my Triumph Daytona track bike, uh, if I do a really, like, you know, I go into a corner break and bum, 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 like downshift three gears, um, it'll kind of go pop, pop, pop and like kick a flame out the ass uh on my skyline if i do a full throttle like red line shift when i let back into the gas after the shift it will also do a single like flame um what happened was that's kind of neat that's kind of cool it you know makes a little pop you get a little fire sometimes i've been driving and thought like i saw a police siren but it was or a police light but it was actually just the flame coming out of my exhaust reflecting against the trees at night um <laughs> and then BM- yeah then bmw and like jaguar with the f-type they mm-hmm. purposefully F-type. i think that's what started yeah it. yeah they purposefully made the tune because they wanted the f-type to be like eh, this is old school jag this is style and so what eh. they would have is they had a little bit of extra fuel injected when you let off the gas Ah. And because that fuel wasn't burned, it entered the hot exhaust pipes where it mixed with the raw oxygen there, and it oxidized and went, bam, and exploded in the exhaust. Just like a couple, four or five. And so a lot of the, the, the F-types, when you let off the gas, they'll be like, burr, 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 kind of burble and pop a little bit. It's, yeah, yeah, a little, it's reminiscent yeah. of race cat, cars. Purr. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds kind of neat. And then these kids found out Then on these BMWs, there were, you know, if you revved it certain ways, just the way the BMW is tuned, 
if you revved it certain ways, it would go, it would fool the ECU and go a little rich and it would cause it to pop from the extra fuel in the exhaust. And then they took it one step further and they took it to a guy and said, I want you to purposefully dump a whole bunch of effing fuel when I'm not using it so that my car Gross. obnoxiously just pops and clacks all the time. And I hate it. Insert pops and bangs tune. And there's the pops call. Seriously, it's like you're leaving a retail parking lot and your car is gurgle popping. Like nobody thinks you're cool. And I, I don't want to, I want to make a point here that like, Cars that are modded heavily and, you know, race car applications, we'll say, you know, the modded ones, that's that's awesome, right? But, like, I'm specifically talking about completely stock, like, out of the factory. And, and OEM manufacturers are doing this now, and so it's caught on to the mainstream, and I'm really concerned. I mean, again, it, it goes back to the meme I shared with you guys. It's dudes that are into cars are just a male version of horse girls. I mean, this, they just identify <laughs> by making... Making their cars pop and gurgle. Oh, look at me and my cool car. That's all I know. That's my entire personality is my cool car, right? That's that's it. You gotta have you have a little more flavor than that. In six motorcycles, you'd be cool. I, I feel like I might I might have some haters now, but you know, it's it's all right, I'll live with it. Well, I I'm think sorry guys. I think we all agree with you. Maybe we're all old. <laughs> yeah. I boomers think now. It's like Oof. the it's like the car equivalent of like um cracker jack box tattoos. Like a tattoo, <laughs> like you're supposed to sit Damn. through. Damn. You're Dang. supposed to sit through hours of pain, and and some suffering and dedication. And your reward for that is a sweet piece of artwork on your body. And just like with cars, if you, hey, you're gonna build this race car. It's gonna be impractical. It's gonna suck up all your money and all this BS. And you know the fruit of your labor is this rad sounding car that occasionally shits a flame out the exhaust. But they 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 don't want to do the the hard part and the work, and they just want the flames out the exhaust. They don't care if it's actually fast or anything like that. Like I I think there's this there's an undercurrent in car culture, and it's not new. I'm not saying it's a, this is just this version of it. Today's version of it. It's always existed, but like. Mm. It's not about, you know, you, you should like something because of what you do, not what you look like doing it. Amen. Right. And I right. like, I like you know, cars that might shoot a flame out the exhaust because usually they, they're fast and they have rad camshafts and they sound cool um, and they do the thing and they do it well. And that's what attracts me. I, at no point in time I've ever been like, my dream is to have a car that shoots fireballs out the exhaust no my dream is to have a car that's fast and was rad and that's don't just want to be bowser come on man you don't want to be bowser <laughs> i mean to each his own to each his own well um yeah. sure but, but that's I mean, my rant i just I yeah just wanted it. you I like it do you encounter it this week buddy you encounter <laughs> it in the military a lot too man with these with the hard jobs like the people that want to go fly or they want to be special forces because mm. it looks cool because they get to like have a beard or like frogman tattoos and like have sweet gear and stuff right, right they don't make it the guys that make it are the guys that want to do the thing they want to jump out of the planes they want to kill people they, you know whatever um and a certain somebody wrote a book that's very controversial that said stuff about that i mean there's a lot of it but i, I think there's all a, the guys, a bunch of yeah there's a bunch of you know i've been I've been in these circles and I have a lot of friends that are in these circles and stuff. And it's like the, the people that focus on how it makes you look are ostracized because, you know, in those situations, you're actually like relying on someone for your life. Like, you know, I need a co-pilot that knows what the F he's doing. Um, right. And the people that do well and the people that are accepted are the people that are there for the, the activity. Like I want to be a badass pilot. I don't, I don't want to wear a flight suit and that makes me cool. What I do makes me cool. That's just a byproduct of it. The byproduct of it. And I mean, partially that, that was a concern of mine getting into cars, right? As, as a, and you know, this is kind of what, looking about what I'm doing as, as my, what I did this week. Cause I'm in, I'm in the Bay Area again. I've left Nebraska and uh, I've been finding uh, some, some squiggly bits here in the East Bay Area, which is where I've mostly been staying, coming through the hills and stuff around Mount Diablo, an area that's close to Lenny. But still far enough away, he doesn't know it. Uh, which still <laughs> yeah, makes me want to. I haven't, I haven't really explored that part yet. We've got, I, I, we've got an episode coming up that I want to discuss. Just like knowing your area to the breadth of abilities, finding the good bits. But I digress. So, um, 
I mean, really, that's my concern is like, I've enjoyed driving. I do it for a living now, but I didn't want to get into cars and like, how do you pick a team? Oh, I want to be team Honda. And then I roll up on some guy like with all his Honda Civic Ricer, all the windows down, blasting some music. And I'm like, man, like there's, but there's the different sectors of it, right? There's different areas of what's cool in car culture to some people. And that's the certain little niche for that period of time. Ever have fun. Shoot, I, at rather, one point in time, we all liked that bag down Honda, right? That, that used to be the thing at one point in time, right? Yeah. And so for me coming into car culture, it's really like I'm getting into it because I enjoy the, the, the grand tours, the, the going for a weekend drive. I enjoy the, the transition of a video game to real life and back again in the sim rig reality and like going fast and being safe and just like really controlling this cool, awesome thing that exists, right? Um, because think about it, like where I am now to get to the Bay Area a hundred years ago would have taken you like three freaking days, man. I can do it in an hour and a half in shit traffic. So that's pretty cool to me. Uh, so I like that mystic kind of side of it and mythos. So that's what I've been up to. I've been out here in the Bay Area again, hanging out, enjoying greenness in February. Uh, pretty hype about that. John, what about you? Anything new? In the, I, we saw some pictures from you and your sick Ducati that you finally finished. I love the colorways on those. Uh, about that and then anything else that's cool well, going on it's not it's not finished full disclosure i just got those oh. really colorful <laughs> swanky bits mounted up um you know i completely redid the brake and clutch master cylinder and i got custom lines made and all that stuff and so i had to mount some custom reservoirs for the fluids and i've started bleeding them i'm like I'm like doing an hour a night, so I'm not really out there crushing it. Uh, it's still cold as hell here. Um, so I'm, you know, work's been absolutely psychotic recently. Um, so yeah, I'm just slowly but surely fitting pieces on. I've got all the hard, you know, all that wazoo crazy failures and things breaking. I, you know, sorted out and I've got it together and now I'm just. You know, sometimes I just go out in the garage and I just stare at it fondly for a while. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't, but when you, you have other bikes to ride too that are functional. So yeah, I mean, like, yeah, 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 yeah. you've got a, you've got a, you've got a, you've got a uh, GTR you can drive. Yep. Uh, drink for those that are. It's all good. Familiar with our drinking game. She's and all you've good. got multiple bikes to choose from, so it's it's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, and I'm driving a Toyota Corolla here, by the way, guys, which mm. I do enjoy. Mm. I had the Nissan Altima last time. I got the Corolla this time. I like how to pop it into sport mode. It's literally just a, um, a tap over. You can just tap it into sport mode, and there you are. You're in paddles and higher rev modes, which is very useful in the Bay Area. Uh, and, and again, it allows me to shift gears, which shifting gears into the soapbox. John, are you ready to hop on this thing? And, oh, I'm uh, give so us a ready. Lesson, transmission. 101. I'm going to try to not ask a lot of dumb questions, but I'm probably going to ask a few because we all know I like learning. So take it away, John. Hop on that soapbox. And uh, right, if you guys get confused along the way, remember, hit us up on Instagram or Twitter at zeroliftpodcast.eth. Take it away, John. All right, y'all. So uh, I'm going to play with today, do another you know tech explanation episode, and I'm working to demystify the transmission in your car what it does why we have one so basically we've talked in the past about engines and how they make power um they basically turn dinosaurs you know fossil fuels and air make them explode that causes the crankshaft to spin right so that leaves the engine once that happens that rotating shaft goes into a transmission now the purpose of a transmission, there's there's two main purposes of a transmission, and they kind of perf- they kind of accomplish them simultaneously. One, it provides a car more useful torque or force to move, which allows it to accelerate quicker. Two, it allows a car to achieve a higher top speed. So those are the those are kind of the, the main purposes of, of a transmission, and, the, and it, like I said, it does it simultaneously. So I don't think you can really understand a transmission in any capacity if you don't understand the concept of a gear ratio. 
And to talk about that, we're going to have to delve into some like high school era physics here for a minute. So if you recall your lesson in basic physics, they talked about this in middle school level even, of like seesaws, pulleys, that type levers. of thing. Levers. Uh, levers. Yeah. It's all levers, baby. It's all levers. <laughs> levers Basically, all the way down. Think about your seesaw. And if I got a fat kid and a skinny kid, and I put the fat kid on a short side of a seesaw and a skinny kid on the long side, the long arm is going to give the skinny kid more leverage to where he can balance the fat kid out. I can do it. I can do it, folks. (laughs) Now, if you recall pulleys, or if you ever talked about gears in, uh, in your basic physics class, then you may recall that when you take a spinning gear or a spinning pulley and you make it act upon one with a larger or smaller diameter, right? So if I spin this big pulley at a certain RPM or a gear at a certain RPM and that's meshed to a smaller gear, like a, like a physically, like the radius of the circle is smaller. Let's say it's half the size. So that big gear spinning once is going to make the smaller gear spin twice for every one time that big gear spins. So you're decreasing the speed in that case in which the gear spins. When you decrease the speed, physics does this really funny thing of that when you lose speed in a gear system, you gain force. And vice versa. Or torque. Or torque. Would that be torque? Yeah, well, a torque is a force applied around a rotation. So, yes. Um, I just... I, I was just reticent. the tires. I was reticent to t- say torque because people hear torque and they shut down. But most people understand the basics of a linear force. So when you lose force speed, is linear, torque yep. is rotational. <clears throat> yep. So if you think about it, if you got a you know if you ever blown on a pinwheel, right? You got a little pinwheel and you're trying to spin it with your finger. If you got a big ass pinwheel and you hit it a certain with a certain amount of force with your finger it's going to spin. If you had a smaller pinwheel and you hit it with the same amount of force, it would spin more, but that's the same amount of force, but you're getting a different, different number of rotations. So basically what a transmission does is you start out, let's say the engine's spinning, we'll just say a thousand RPM because the math is easy. So that thousand RPM shaft spinning, goes into the transmission and it has a gear attached to it. And in first gear, a common gear ratio would be like a three to one, give or take. Um, So what that means is that when the output shaft of the transmission with that gear reduction, it's going to be spinning at a third of the speed. So, you know, roughly 333 RPMs when it leaves. But all of that speed that you lost has more force or torque making its way to the tire. So if our imaginary engine spinning at a thousand RPM is making a hundred foot pounds of torque at the engine, it's going to make, and it's, you're decreasing it by uh, two thirds. So it's, it's a third of the speed. You're going to get three times the torque at the tire. So your hundred foot pounds of torque actually became 300 foot pounds of torque when it left the transmission. The issue issue with that, so what that does, that's why first gear accelerates hard. That's why the car feels faster in first gear, because you are physically putting more force into the ground. Also, why in snow you would use first and second gear? You need Uh, more force in the ground. No, no, more force in snow is bad because you break the tires loose. Actually, in snow, I I I will commonly start in second gear because I need less force to get interesting so this would be the case of like with trucks though having more torque in the low end gears 100 percent. yeah that's why that's why trucks mud then or just general no carrying heavy load it's it's so a truck this is kind of getting ahead of the point but a truck having like a low range right you can shift the transfer case into low range and that makes all the gear ratios absurdly low and when you talk gear ratios when i say low what i mean is a high number three because we're going down from here 
in number, but that's higher gear. So like when I said third gear is commonly a three, fourth gear is often one. Under one. So high gear, lower number. Higher ratio is a lower number because the ratio is how many times the output shaft spins relative to the input shaft. So, so trucks have a low range because if you get stuck in mud and you physically can't spin the tires, you need a lot more torque at the tires. Or if I need to pull a tree out of the ground, or if I need to pull a heavy ass trailer filled with logs or some nonsense, um, I go into a low range that increases the gear ratios or that makes the gear ratios substantially lower. And so I get a ton more torque, but I top out at 30 miles per hour. So the reason that you can't run around in first gear with all the torque in the world is because I'm dropping the, how fast the output shaft is spinning. That's giving me torque, but that means that effectively the tires are going to be spinning slower than the engine in terms of how many times the tires are going around in a circle, right? Because when I said said it dropped the RPMs to a third, that basically means that the tires end up spinning one-third of what they would. And that's how you move is the circumference of your tire, right? So Hmm. what ends up happening is your engine hits red line, which is a... It's not arbitrary, but it's, you know, it's different for every engine. And that is where beyond red line is where mechanical failure happens, AKA your engine explodes. Um, so I hit, is familiar with this. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Lenny's very familiar with this concept. Um, so I hit red line Thank you for the reminder, <laughs> but I hit red line and I'm going 30 miles per hour. And now I have everyone on, you know, highway one or 95 or whatever, just honking at me. So what do I do? I shift into second gear. Bingo. When I shift into second gear, that has a higher gear ratio, which means lower number. Common to see second gears. So first gear is a three. Second gear might be a 2.2 or a 2.3. So that means instead of instead of for every one revolution of the input shaft, the output shaft spins three times. I'm sorry, other way around. <laughs> For every three revolutions of the input shaft, the output shaft spins once. Now I get one turn of the output shaft for every 2.2 or 2.3 spins. So the, the speeds are closer to equal. So that means mm-hmm. that I get less effective torque at the wheel, but my tires are spinning faster when I get to the red line of the engine. So now I top out at 50 miles per hour and I shift into... Because mathematically that makes sense. Right. And I shift into third gear. Now I get even more output shaft speed per speed of the engine and less effective torque. In common five and six gear manual transmissions, fourth gear is a one-to-one ratio. And that means that the input shaft and the output shaft spin at an equivalent speed so that means i'm getting a direct link from the engine to the tires so if you have most five or six speed manual transmissions and you want to know how your car would accelerate and what its top speed would be if you didn't have a transmission put your car in fourth gear and try to launch for those of you interesting yeah for those of you that driven manual transmissions you're probably like are you effing crazy that's why we have transmissions (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> done our episode over guys we'll see you next time roll credits <laughs> so at, like it's it's a it it enhances the performance of your vehicle in a lot of ways it allows for better acceleration and then often fifth gear and sixth gear or if you have like one of these new 10 speed transmissions i don't even know where the where the lockup gear is i was gonna ask that I don't want to sidebar you, but like yeah, most yeah. of these cars now, it's like eighth gears. I'm like normally because yep. you know because I come from like a five speed, six speed manual, and I'm I'm going paddles on these things, and I'm like not stopping at six. I'm at eighth now. What is happening? It doesn't make any sense. Well, you the from a performance standpoint. So I'm talking about. I've been talking about what happens in the transmission and what that ha- what that does in the at the tire, right? But if we're going to talk from a performance standpoint, engines 
accelerate the fastest at a relatively narrow RPM range. And we talked about power bands in some past episodes. So if you haven't listened to it, I'm sorry if I'm talking past you, but listen Listen to our past episodes. They're there. Everybody does. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, let's say my engine tops out at 8,000 RPM, which is relatively common for pre like a higher end sports car. Right. Um, Generally, I will be making, I will be like what's called in power band and like making or achieving peak acceleration between like 6,000 and 8,000 RPM. So ideally, if I had a transmission that was specced really well to, you know, the rest of my car setup, I would shift at 8,000 RPM and the next gear the RPM would fall to no less than six. If it falls to say five, it might feel like I have a flat spot in that gear I have to accelerate through. So there's this balancing act of gear spread versus power band. Because if the the difference from one gear to the next, if the ratio is too great, the engine will fall out of its power band. So that means you want closely spaced gears. But if your gears are spaced closely, that means you have to shift more often and... And quicker. And quicker. And it also means that you get less effective top speed from that gear. Interesting. So, like, for instance, I could have a very low-powered car, 100-horsepower car, and I set it up for a 100-mile-per-hour max speed, and I have 10-gear transmission, and I gear those gears super tight that thing will accelerate like a bat out of hell and it'll hit 100 miles per hour and then you'll just be like ah, and you'll have nowhere else to go um but you can get a lot of acceleration through effective gear ratios um and so the purpose of these 10 speed transmissions is there's there's a few purposes but one of the things is it allows the car to be faster with the same engine because instead of six gears to play with I can have 10 gears, they're all super tight, and the engine's just always like, bap, 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 bap. It's always in that effective power band. Really is. It, and so, like, doing these, these paddle shifter modern 2022, 2021 cars, I mean, it is like going from sim racing and, like, driving older cars, relatively speaking, with basically six, six speeds, you, you have a certain... The timing is way different. Uh, which is quite interesting. I mean, and if you look at like for a common man of the people car here with my 07 Honda Odyssey that produces its maximum horsepower at 5,500 PM, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know these things. Don't care. Uh, so like, that's the thing, like driving these modern cars and, and the shifting on them is strange. Like putting it in sport manual mode and using the paddles is more of like a feel fun thing than it is like a, a speed thing because car will do it faster for me, but I'm probably jumping ahead here. But I mean, that's what I've kind of found with these eight, 10 speed cars. That's very true. And I, I think there might also be a fuel economy aspect to it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, absolutely. There is. 100%. Well, so fuel, absolutely there is. fuel economy comes into play when you start looking at gear ratios that where the output shaft spins faster than the input shaft. And so mm-hmm. so those are typically, like in a five-speed transmission, um, uh, fourth gear is the one-to-one ratio. Fifth gear is typically an overdrive, which means it's like a 0.7 ratio. So that means that um, the output shaft is going to spin once every time the input shaft spins, you know, roughly two-thirds to three-quarters of a spin. So that means the engine is spinning, is using its energy to spin the output shaft more times than it is spinning, which means that you are actually reducing, you're getting less torque than what the engine literally makes out the back of the transmission, Um, which is why launching a car in fifth gear is, feels horrible to impossible. Sluggish. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, what a lot, snail, what a lot of these, multi-gear transmissions might be doing or like the the corvette was famous for this where um it had a super torquey engine and it had a six-speed transmission 
and it had pretty low rear end gears out the differential because there's also a little gearbox in your differential, but that's a different topic for a different day. Um, but then fifth and sixth gear were just dumb high. Like uh, sixth gear in a T56 is like 0.6. And that, so basically it was like they had the first four or five gears pretty closely spaced for performance. And then sixth gear was just like a fuck it cruise at 1500 rpm on the highway i can go 220 miles per hour in six gear like it's it's not a performance gear the spacing wasn't good for performance it didn't keep the engine in its effective range but you could just if you were just going to cruise you could just pop it into sixth the rpms just fall and uh the rpms being lower makes your fuel economy better that's what it feels like with a lot of these is that to actually get into where that rpm to gear ratio would matter on the seven eighth gear i have to be going real fast to do yeah any work yeah, on the yeah. Engine no those those, gears. those those exist all for fuel economy, fuel economy. Mm-hmm. yeah they're it not is, realistic it, usually no not i mean even at like 85 miles per hour legally in south dakota for example uh seventh eighth gear is purely for fuel economy I, that, that's really what it comes down to on these modern cars, which makes sense. Why wouldn't you? If you have the, yeah, room in the engine, as the engines get smaller, you're going to expand your transmission block. Why not? Well, and the John, I have a GTR yeah. question for you. If I could interject oh, here, drank drank fans. Yeah, that includes you, Ryan. Okay. Um, you have different gear ratio set in your GTR's transmission. Uh, how is that driving around here uh, in America? Because I've the times that I've driven the GTR fifth gear, it still has the stock transmission in the gear set and fifth gear. Just, I seem like it's just always up in the upper RPM range. And I don't really like it. I'm looking to, to change it. What is, how is, how does it feel? So the OS kit that I have, um, the, don't, so you can buy a number of different kits. Um, fourth gear. Which still, one do you have? I have the, I did not buy the fifth gear. Um, mm-hmm. So they make gears one, two, three, and then you can buy an input shaft, which is the the fourth gear is on the input shaft because it's one to one. And then they sell a fifth gear separately. Uh, so I have basically, I have the input shaft. I have the reinforced transmission rib, but I did not buy the fifth gear. Um, so what the OS kit does for the GTR the fifth gear, if you did buy it, is actually shorter, so it's less overdrive mm. and less fuel economy, and your top speed goes down. Um, but it puts fifth gear in a more advantageous position if you're going to use it on like a circuit. Um, I think the stock fifth gear is like a 0. 0.7, and the OS one is like a 0. 0.8, give or take. Um, but the the reason you don't need to change the fifth gear unless you want to bring it tighter is that fifth gear is rarely used in a ultra high performance situation like max torque. Um, and have a long straightaway on a circuit. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and uh, I've noticed on the highway that, that it's like chilling at 7,000 RPM when I'm doing ooh, like that's uh, 70, 75 miles an hour, which is the cruising speed around here. Um, Wait, you're at seven thousand RPM. Uh, I might, I, it, might, might and I might, it might not be seven thousand RPM. It might be it's more like five or fifty-five, Ooh. something like that. I'm, God, it's still MPP pretty high. Hold on, disgusting, dude. Hold on a second. I'm at. You can't a GT a, a GT a stock gear GTR will go two hundred miles per hour. Am I bugging? I think you're bugging. I might be bugging. I'm you at like, be, dude. I'm at like three to thirty-five at like seventy to eighty. Yeah. Three to four oh, it would man. be about right at seventy eighty, dude. Maybe I was just going faster than I thought because zero lift. That might be it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so with the with the OS, <laughs> whoops, at Mister Zero Lift over here. So what the OS yeah. what the OS kit on the GTR does the the real thing it does. So fourth is still one to one. So it makes first through third very tightly spaced. Okay. And so first gear, a stock GTR first gear is like a 3.2 ratio. And in the OS kit, the first gear is 2.6. So it's a very... He's still bugging, though. He is still bugging. So it's a very tall first gear. Um, And so what that does is it's a trade-off. On the one hand, it makes first gear actually a useful gear, whereas 
in a stock GTR transmission, first gear is pretty much a throwaway after you get moving. Um, like you wouldn't ever really use that on a track, even in a tight hairpin. Um, Whereas with your kit, you can, you can use that. Yeah, no, you need to. Um, but it makes your acceleration from a stop slower. Like the car feels a little eh, wheezy from a first gear dig, but from about 30 miles per hour up, because my first gear tops out at about 60 to 65. It's oh, actually from the tall. lights. So from the lights, you'd have problems. But once you actually get going Correct. on the track, the first gear would be advantageous. Correct. Um, it's designed. I mean, the OS kit is like for circuit cars. They don't care about drag racing. They don't care about street. It's designed for circuit cars. Um, care about real racing. I mean, uh, yeah. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. So your, your launch is a little bit more difficult. I actually think I want to do a set of 430s for the front and rear differential. Because, you know, stock is 410s. Um, and I think... The OS kit with 430s would just be chef's kiss, just right where it needs to be. Anyway. That'd be pretty optimal, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see. We talked about gear ratios. We talked about why we have a transmission. Um, I'll touch on you know how the gears are physically selected. So basically when you got your little yeah, shifter. Yeah, move them. Yeah, you got your little shifter, and that shifter is attached to some shift arms inside the transmission. And they look like little half moons that slot into the gear selector assemblies. So what ends up happening is, and it's hard to talk about all this. Obviously, this is not less more of a video combo than a radio combo. But he's going to find some really good pictures for you guys on Instagram and Twitter. And some video. Yeah, I could do that. Video at zero lift. Yep. But basically, yeah, you move the shifter it slides this gear assembly it unlocks the gear that was engaged and locks up the gear uh the new gear um because they're they're free spinning when you're in neutral they they're not the, the gear assemblies like you have a sh the shafts that come in and they have these gear assemblies spinning on them and they're able to free spin until the selector arms move them and lock them in place and that's what couples the transmission up to the output shaft and they do that because if you think about it, your engine coming in spinning and your tires on the output shaft spinning might not be spinning at the same speeds. So if you've ever tried to shift transmission poorly and it grinded on you or didn't use the clutch. Oh, man. That is Those what happens. Good sounds. Yep. That Those is are what not good sounds. That's what happens <laughs> when you physically try and force a gear together when the two shafts are spinning at different speeds. What? We have the BMW kids making popping sounds have actual true manuals so they can't drive them. Their, their, their car will just make noises instead of yoink bangs. Um, so what happens is <laughs> the transmission has these things called synchros. And synchros ride on the gear shaft. They're attached to the gear itself. And they, uh, they're kind of cone-shaped. And they usually have like an organic, like a Kevlar or something like that, or a fabric friction ring to it and what happens is before the gear mechanically engages that cone presses against the gear and it speeds it up or it slows it down to match the speed of the input shaft and so that gets the gear spinning at a closer rpm to what to what the uh to what it would have been and then as you push it the rest of the way it catches and the teeth actually lock together and so that's why when you have a transmission, you're like, oh, third gear's crunchy. The synchro's going out. That's, yeah, because the, the assembly that applies a little bit of pressure and get it spinning uh, to match the, the RPM rate, either slows it down or speeds it up, that those things can break or they can wear out and they can stop applying force. Now, there's like a pre gear to every gear almost. It's not then? a gear, it's a cone. Yeah, it's just like a. If you think Cone about bearing, yeah, interesting. If you, if you think about, I don't know, any assembly that has like a taper on it, right? Like, like what? I don't know. What yeah. do you think? Uh, but if you have like a tapered fit, like two pieces that come together, you know, the harder mm -hmm. you press them together, the hard more friction they're going to exert on each other, right? But like if you barely right. touch it, because it's it's a cone shape, it won't put a ton of pressure on it. So as you start to move it, the cone scoots in first and like i said it's usually like a brass 
and it has like an organic material on it. So it's not metal and it's kind of grabby, uh, but it doesn't gotcha. like, it doesn't like wear out and snap and, and crack. Um, and so the inside of the gear before it, before they slot together, they'll have that taper design and the little cone goes in there. And like I said, if it's speeding faster, it'll speed it up. If it's slower, it'll slow it down, but it just starts to match the speed so that the physical metal mechanical gears can slot together. What's exactly. the added what's the added benefit of having uh dual synchros? Well, that's because the the R33 GTR's transmission yep. everybody take a drink uh is different in that way to the 32 GTR's transmission. Well, all that is is just having two taper assemblies like on top of each other. So it just makes it better fitting or Yeah, so if if you think about the the gear and the if you think about the gear as a circle, right? And then you know, the, the moving towards the center of the circle, it kind of cones in. If you have, if you have maybe like a cone towards the outside and then it flattens out and then a cone towards the inside. Right. So it looks kind of like a pyramid or a stepped like a Mayan pyramid. Right. And so each one of those steps is its own synchro ring. So you just have, you've increased the friction surface as opposed to just having one, like at the very tip. Does that make sense? Totally. Um, it's helpful to have more than just the tip in. Yeah, and like modern, <laughs> most modern manual transmissions have like, I'm not, I'm not laughing at your childness. Uh, yes, you are. <laughs> no, but most most modern manual transmissions have like two or th- have like three or maybe even four synchro assemblies. Hmm. Wow. Oh, that's solid. So we're running out of time, but I think the last thing we should cover is how to start from a stop, a.k.a. a clutch. So we're talking about the transmission being linked up, right? And mm-hmm. talking about how the engine's spinning Slowly. at one speed, the tires are spinning at another speed. What if the engine isn't spinning? Or what if the tires aren't spinning? Because if you put it into gear while you're at a stop, the tires aren't spinning, You the engine tries to make them spin, and you have your foot on the brake. Now you just kill the you stop the engine spinning and it dies. So stalling an engine, driving manual for the first week. Yep. So you have a thing called a clutch, and the clutch is like your synchros, an organic kind of friction material. It's a it's a disc, right? So it's a circle, a flat circle that rides against a piece of metal. And basically, what it is, people describe it as the fuse in your transmission, basically what it is, every time you push the clutch pedal in, that causes that organic disc to separate from the piece of metal. So it physically removes the engine from your transmission. So the clutch separates it. Like separates it. Yep, it physically separates it. So the engine can spin on its own. The transmission can spin on its own. They don't affect each other. When you take your foot off of the clutch pedal, that disc locks up to a metal piece and it physically links the engine to the transmission. Um, that's a pretty simplified example, but so basically pushing the clutch pedal in puts the engine in neutral. It just removes the engine from the transmission equation entirely. So now, that is disengagement. That is disengagement with the pedal pushed. Now, when you learn how to drive a stick, so the, the thing about the clutch is that it's made of this organic friction material because that friction material is able to slide across metal. Like, imagine brushing a piece of wood with sandpaper, right? It's grabby, but it slides across it. Sure. And the reason why you want that to happen is because you want to be able to smoothly and comfortably blend your car from being at a standstill to moving. And so when you slowly let the clutch out and slowly apply gas and the car starts to move, what's happening is the organic clutch disc is very lightly touching the metal. And the piece of metal is called a flywheel. It's just a metal circle. It's very lightly touching it. And that light touch is starting to make it spin. But it's not, you haven't taken your foot completely off it. It's not locked together tight. It's just kind of kind of getting it moving, and then you gradually take your foot off the clutch more, and it grabs it harder, 
and then by the time you let it off, there's a lot of tension on them, and they are essentially moving as one piece. But it's all just friction. It's all just taking two pieces of sandpaper and holding them together. And then when you press That's the a beautiful description for anybody who has ever operated a clutch lever. <laughs> yeah. The, men, the, the amount of people that have done that, John, is, is shrinking. Well, yeah, it's you're right. Crazy. Save and, the manuals. And that's being replaced by automatic transmissions mostly. Um, and autos. <clears throat> so autos, the gears, they have the same kind of ph philosophical mode of operation inside where you have gear ratios that switch. The way they do it is totally different and outside the scope of this episode. But they do the same thing, first, second, third, torque multiplication. But the big thing behind an auto and why it's easier is the fact that it doesn't have a clutch. And what it has is a torque converter. And a torque converter is this big donut-looking thing that sits in between the engine and the transmission. And none of the parts touch. The Interesting. Torque, yeah, the torque converter is like a big-ass fan inside oil. And what happens is... There's not actually liquid in there? Or is no, there's liquid, liquid in there. There's liquid in there. There's oil okay. in there. And what happens is the one half isn't physically connected to the other half. One half's attached to your engine, the other half's attached to the transmission. And as the engine spins, it has a fan attached to it, and it pushes this oil through the torque converter. That's cool. Yeah. And so when the engine's not spinning much, it doesn't move a lot of that oil. But when the engine spins a lot, it pushes a ton of that oil, and then the other fan, or the other, the transmission side has its own fan, and it's... uh. Man, if anybody's ever worked on, like, a turbine engine, like in an aircraft, you would totally get this. I don't know where else this really applies. Um, yeah, it's pretty but pretty similar. But uh, so the fan on the engine side, you get the engine spinning real fast, and it pushes all this fluid, and that fluid hits the fan on the transmission side. And as it spins fast, it gets that fan moving. And eventually... This is insane. Yeah. Eventually, if you spin it fast enough the oil causes those two fans to spin in unison. But there's nothing physical connecting them. I'm mind blown right now the yeah. fact that people are driving around with fluid dynamics underneath yeah. their foot and they don't even understand it at all. So, How amazing that is. That's well, they will after they listen to this episode. Yeah. Well, yes. And so, thanks, John, for getting on the soapbox. <laughs> yeah. In, in engine, so cool. In engine or engineering parlance... Uh, that is referred to as a viscous coupling. Yeah, and, that's uh, a good word. A viscous coupling is no coupling <laughs> at all. There is no physical link. These things are not touching. You're just moving a thick goo fast enough and with enough force that you cause these two fans next to each other to spin in unison. And so that's why viscous when you, coupling. Yep. When you take when you mm -hmm. take your foot off the gas, and you're not producing any torque. You're not moving. slowing down that. Yeah, you're not moving that goopy goo, um, and like, and oh, even man. if, and even if you are moving fast enough, it's just fluid. So if I held the brake, spun the fuck out of the engine, I did. I'm just holding that other fan from moving with the brake, and it's just pushing fluid past it. So that's why you don't so need a cool. clutch in an auto. I just need to say laminar flow real quick because that's another <laughs> fluid dynamic sort of nerd Lam boundary layer. Laminar flow, man. Viscous coupling. Well, that's pretty awesome. Have we covered kind of 101 here for uh, transmission? Especially yeah. the manual scape. I don't think we need to um, get into the different shifters right now. I think we got enough. I think we have no. to do another episode on like wazoo cool race car transmission stuff. But So for the people... I mean, what is it that, I mean, mostly automatics, and we're going to get into semi-automatics and your sport modes, I'm sure, in episode 02. Uh, really, it comes down to the fact that you have a uh, viscous coupling happening when you accelerate. It's pretty dang neat, guys. I appreciate yep. what you have underneath your feet. That's what I have to fun. say about that. I enjoyed it. Well, I enjoyed telling good you Good soapbox, John. We appreciate you. Let's give it over to Lenny now. Lenny is going to take it away, but I wish I... What I wish, oh boy! What I wish I was driving. Ah, it's yes. this California air, man. It's got me chilling out way too much. I got to go back to the negative seven. This fifty <clears throat> degrees in February is bizarre to me. California Can't air and GTRs, it. you mean? 
Ah, oh, jeez. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen. You know what? I've seen a lot of Teslas. There's less trucks, and I've seen just a good variety, like I did last time. But I haven't seen a GTR yet. So, Lenny, could you take yours down, maybe Ooh. down to Vacaville tomorrow, so I could see a GTR in person? Yeah, sure will. Hey, John, uh, I'll do that. Why don't you uh, get us into the game since you're used to the host? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get us to the role. All right, so we're gonna play What I Wish I Was Driving. That's a game where. Uh... Lenny's going to host it today, but me and Ryan are going to ask him 20 yes or no questions uh, about what car he is thinking of or what he wishes he was driving. Uh, they can only be yes or no questions. Um, and if we, we only get one guess at the car. If we guess early and get it wrong, the game's over. Uh, and Lenny, do we have to guess a generation? Uh, this is not a generation car. I'm not a generational car. Just have no to guess gen. the car itself. Yeah. And with that, I think uh, we can let the question yeah. begin. Do you guys need the hint again? It shares a common part with an uncommon race car, uh, sports car. Excuse me. And go. Okay. And is this car American? No. Is this car Japanese? Nope. Damn. Okay, my theory is gone. <laughs> that I only <laughs> pick Japanese cars. Yeah. No, no, is no. I actually it? had a thought about what car was based on your hint. But anyway. I mean, should I should I ask the Opal question, John? Because it could be an Opal. Ask. <laughs> I mean, should we ask if it's European first? I mean, let's go broad scope. Is this European, Lenny? Yes. Now we can narrow it down to the country. Is this German? No. It's not an Opal. All right, John. You're safe from this one. Yeah, no kidding. Um, what about Italiano? Is that a question? Yeah. Is this is this Italian? Yes. There you go. Hey, we're still in the warehouse, John. We're still in the warehouse. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, I get this is like an exotic and a common sports car has some kind of similar part. Oh. Unless it's a unless it's a common man of the people type of car that uses a part from an exotic vehicle. Which is also very possible. Um, Italian. Okay. Uh, Lenny, is this brand considered like primarily a supercar or exotic car manufacturer? That's way too broad of a question. No, it's not. Uh, they are primarily known as an exotic and sports car manufacturer. Yes. Okay. Cause see Ryan, that just eliminated like Lancia, Alfa Romeo, Fiat, Okay, so did you say eliminated Alfa Romeo? Yeah. Alfa Romeo is not was... an exotic car manufacturer. Lancia yeah, not is primarily not primarily known it Lancia is not primarily okay. one. Like so now we so know this... we know Ferrari, it's Ferrari, Lamborghini. Lambo, Pagani, you know, something okay. like that. Um have we done a Pagani at all? Pagani's like the lesser known of those like Ferrari and Lambos are the big two, right? Yeah. Um, Pagani's are pretty well known. Oh, they're well known. I would, but Ferrari and Lambo is definitely the big two as far as exotic yeah. Italian cars. Um, I think it would probably be Ferrari because Lambo's pretty Ooh. much almost. No, I got exotic. one. I got one. I got one. Okay, what you got, Lenny? Does this car utilize an engine that the company itself manufactures? And for instance, Pagani does not because they use a Mercedes. Ferrari pretty much always does. Lambo is like 50 50 because new Lambos are actually like a VAG engine. It does use an engine that the manufacturer produces. It's VAG, by the way, so learning. I said VAG. Yeah, what does VAG mean? Oh, Volkswagen AG. That's the huge oh, conglomerate that makes up Volkswagen yeah, Auto. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Volkswagen Auto Group. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Um, Thank you. Okay, it's its own engine. Lenny, is this a Ferrari? Thank you, John. No. Oh, shoot. Okay. Ryan, I don't know if any other exotic Italian brands besides Lambo ever did their own engines. So, uh, so is this Lamborghini? Lee? It is. Okay. Lambo, right. yes. Got it. Lenny, is this a V12? Start with tractors. Uh, did this car have a V12? 
Did it? What? Oh, it sounded like me doing uh, what I wish I was driving, Lenny. How do you talk about a Lambo and don't know what engine it has? It uh, does. Come on. Okay. That's odd, but okay. Are you gonna call? Are you gonna like five questions later? Are you gonna fix this like I did on a couple of mine that I've done? What do you mean? You asked like, if it has a V12. I said yes. Okay. You just stalled a little bit. <sighs> that was weird. That's super weird. Um, we're, hey, we're at 11, John. You can go multi-choice now. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, Lenny, was this car manufactured originally prior to 1990? No. Oh, jeez. Oh, this is weird. Uh, it was only got like five L models, right? Lenny, was this car manufactured after 2005 original year no okay so it's 1990 to 05 yes which is how many models um can't be that many so it's a 90 to 05 lambo with a v12 that's a diablo diablo Maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, Diablo's didn't Diablo started like '88. No. Diablo is pure '90s. I'm pretty sure. And I love the car. I thought it was like '88 though. I thought it started earlier. Um. Don't don't hold me on that. I just I love the Diablo. That is like my favorite Lamborghini as a poster car. Uh, um, as an actual driver. Lenny, was this car a? considered like a flagship model for Lamborghini, a la Countach, Diablo, Aventador, Murcielago. Yes. All right, I'm going to ask this question. Was this name similar to one of Blizzard's most popular game series, which is coming up on the fourth iteration? <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. It had a common part. Oh, wait. What you got, John? Diablo's had like uh, it was like three hundred Z headlights or something weird like that. They <laughs> no, so he picked up a weird. How um, did he find that? How, where did where, where uh, were you find? Because I wouldn't have found that on a Wikipedia. There's no way. This is I just pure think, Lenny car knowledge. Uh, Lenny, goodness. Lenny, does this car's model name share a common iteration with your personal car's model name? Yes. Like, <laughs> Got it, John. He's talking about a Lamborghini Diablo GTR. Uh, uh, now we got a drink, folks. Okay, hold on. Um, um, Lenny, is this car considered the ultimate iteration of a long-standing model? Yes. All right, Lenny or Ryan, I think I got the I think I got the J here. All right. You got the J. Yeah. You're gonna make sure that Lenny doesn't get another W on what yeah. I wish I was driving. Lenny is Let's is this out. is this car the Lamborghini Diablo GTR? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yes, it is. Go, John. Let's go. The Lamborghini Let's Diablo go. GTR had a 5.7 liter V12 in it and made around uh, 538 horsepower. The street going version, uh, the race car version made a lot more than that, uh, and it was very notorious for being crazy car and it looks great it has big old wing on it big old and it wang. does it does share headlights with the nissan 300 zx oh i was right which is interesting i yeah. don't know how you guys pull this out i i'm impressed it's you it's weird it's lights. weird for lamborghini to to go go out and <laughs> and just we just grab grab headlights from nissan and, and slap it we on just their talked super about car. the z last episode too which is nice nice segue yeah. between episodes i appreciate the flow that's been another episode of Zero Lift. We've kept Lenny from getting another W. I guess the king's dead for now. Yeah, well, Mr. Zero Lift. You can find Lenny at Mr. Zero Lift. Uh, I don't have the hashtag or the at yet of uh, Zero Lift Man of the People. John doesn't have Zero Lift Soapbox yet. Eventually, I'm sure that'll happen. But you can find us at ZeroLiftPodcast.eth on both Twitter and Instagram. Give us your comments. Let us know what you thought. If you have more questions about transmissions... I'll uh, go ahead and jump in and probably answer them for you as we lead towards another episode. Give us a like, subscribe, follow, what all that stuff is. Um, it really helps us out, 
and uh, we appreciate the views. Keep it pinned, and we'll see you next time. I've been Ryan with Lenny. See you. And John. Miss you guys already. We'll see ya.